12 to 1 on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to 12 to 1 with Adrian Abraham on Money FM 89.3. We've covered so many bars in Singapore, plenty of bartenders and personalities who work in the F&B industry. My next guest uh, falls into that bracket. He's a bartender with the compound collected, the group behind Barbary Coast, which includes Ballroom and Deadfall. Also, another bar, Revival. Sami Turkey, finally, we're doing this. How are you? Hey, man. I feel like uh, we tried to buck that up for quite a long time now, like a few months, sorry. Yeah, no, like, no, it's uh, okay. It's okay. All good things take time, right? I mean, we wait, That's and right. then uh, I'm glad we're finally doing this. So you've been in Singapore, as we were discussing off-air, almost a year now. I mean, time's flown by. But before that, you were based in the UK. You're originally from France. Talk to me about how you got into bartending. What was your inspiration? And when did you know that you could possibly make a career out of this? Yeah, um, man. So obviously... Yeah, born and raised in France, Paris, and then I just wanted to go to London, right, for quite a while. So I was pretty young. I was about just a 19. I was at uni, but I was like, you know what, man, it's not what I want to do right now. So I kind of let it let on the side and be like, I can go back anytime. So I moved to London for a little bit. Not so sure what to do. I'm going to do it. But um, I had a bit of family there, a bit of uh, help and support. And then, you know, starting off, you know, I had to find a job. I wasn't so sure. So obviously the first thing people were like, you know, go to like a French restaurant or something, which is what I got. I was in a famous French restaurant called, is it called Close Majore? And I think I last like three days. It was crazy. It was like too much. You know, for a 19 year old that's never really worked in industry, it was so intense. I think the head chef wanted to like have a mission star and I was just, I literally couldn't keep up while it was crazy. So that was, you know, a bit of a shock, disappointment. And then one night I went to a famous bar in London, in Covent Garden called Roadhouse. Internationally known to be like a flare bar, basically. So you go there, they open to lame. Everyone, like all the bartenders, are like crazy at flaring. And I saw that and I was like, this is insane. And I just saw that girl, like they are like two bars. So one is like right in the middle, and you can just literally order it all around it. Very dive bar. They've got this massive model back in the middle as well. And then they have like a sort of a backup bar a little bit further in the venue. And then basically it's like in the corner, and you got that one bartender by himself, just like serving like 10 people that one. And then, it, I don't know, something about watching that bartender just made me like, this is dope. Like, this is what I want to do. So I kind of look for bars and then that's it, man. That's why I go into it. I got my first job was a bar called 55 Bar Lunch in Camden Town. Pretty legendary. It's so close now. It was opened by a stroke poet who was a big legend. Biat One. Biat One is a, kind of a big chain bar. Uh, now they have like more than like 30, 40 bars all around the UK. And basically, you know, these guys kind of started this whole like cocktail lounge slash you know flaring a little bit you know high volume style bars where you can come have a drink party you know they were doing happy hours so uh 55 was kind of a, a reproduction of it but just as his own way yeah, yeah i guess we're just uh always meant to be you know you were destined uh to get into this industry and of course your move to london changed that and from there um the journey didn't end you went to melbourne what made you want to go there and what was that whole experience like it's funny because i will always go back to paris for a little bit and i feel like just being in london for for that long i feel like a part of me was like changing and i'm like man i just feel like i don't really belong there anymore you know I feel like it, it just became my identity and um i said yeah where well, i used to work at uh bar 55 a lot of like a few friends were from new zealand uh and australia and one of my best mate liam liam white 
still my best friend right now to this day. He actually left London as I was kind of getting to work there. And then we just kept contact. And um, yeah, man. So when people started moving, I was like, do you know what? I want to go to Australia. Like, you know, after a couple, was it two or three years I was in London in? Like, you know, it was fun. Love London. But I don't know, you know, I was like, you know, Australia sounds very appealing, right? So I moved to Melbourne for a little bit. I worked at a place called uh, Charlie's Bar. Nobody went numb. It was pretty numb at the time. Like, I'm talking like 10 years ago. It, we had a restaurant upstairs called The Mill. And then downstairs was like a basement bar. It was pretty cool. Super chill. Um, you know, very creative. Because I had a past there. So couldn't really do work anywhere else. Just like in Singapore, right? So I wish I had um, the experience um, and opportunity to try all the bars because the Melbourne had some, some very great um, hospitality over there. But I had a good time, stayed there for like maybe a year and a few months and I didn't really renew my past at the time. So, and I maybe felt a bit homesick. I moved back to Paris for a little bit just to stay with the family, stay with my mom and I've got quite a big family in Paris. I feel like being away for so long, I feel like I owe them my presence. So let's compare the two. I mean, you evolved as a bartender in London yeah. and also that experience in Australia. So when you compare uh, the lessons that you learned from the respective places, is there a preference? Do you like one better than the other or were they both unique? Um, I feel like London, there's nothing like London for sure. Especially when I came at London, I think it was definitely like, it felt like pretty the gold era. Like, you know, all the best new bars were opening and like all this like top bartenders you see now, right? Like all these guys that know how some of the best bars in the world, they were kind of still bartenders, right? So being a bartender at the time was dope because everybody was kind of challenging each other. The training system also is something that London does to me better than anybody else. I feel like any other bars around the world I went to, there's, there's not really that kind of training or mental perception that you have, right? I feel like when I moved to Melbourne, it was like, yeah, okay, you go experience at a bar, go behind a bar and make drinks, right? There is not really like a SOP or something to follow up, right? It's just, it's you do you think that's all drinks and then you know jump on it i learned it's slightly different man you know you've got proper training they teach you you know the whole service the whole you know the whole project you get like we used to get training every week about you know just anything brands it could just be about how to like how to sell you know all this kind of like self-development which is great right uh, but i feel like there was i've never really had that anywhere else so, you know, it was good, you know, because when you go to, to Melbourne from London, people have kind of high expectation from you. So you become more creative yeah. and maybe it's you, maybe it's, that was like my role, maybe to start teaching that to other people. Maybe, yeah. Maybe there was not really that many there. But I was still pretty young there. So I was just kind of head back to the place. And I said, I was, didn't really know what I wanted to do at the time. Maybe I feel like maybe it was the end of me. Maybe I would come back home and like go back studying, you know what I mean? Like, cause I was like 23 at the time uh, and I didn't finish my study. So, you know, I was just having fun as well. You know, I was single cause I was in, in three years relationship in London. So, you know, just having fun with my best friend. We're just uh, moving around. So yeah, when I was in Melbourne, I was not necessarily like super, super serious about it uh, because I wasn't necessarily thinking that was what was gonna do. Yeah, after that said, I went back to Paris, trying to think what I'm going to do. I was talking with uh, JJ Goodman, uh, he owns uh, London Cocktail Club. So uh, at the time, he was 
Best bartender in the UK. He's just literally running a whole town because he started building new bars every year. Before I went to Melbourne, we had a bit of conversation, maybe moving to his bar. The time he only had one bar, uh, the one in Covent Garden. And then he was opening his third or fourth bar. And I was like, you know, I had a few friends that were working there already. I said some amazing bartender already there. So I was like, it is a place to be, right? It really was at the time. Uh, so I went to work for JJ Goodman. So from Paris, I moved back to London and I was stay working on the cocktail club. And then, yeah, man, and I feel like I think that's where my actual like bartending career kind of started it started like make sense and people say get to know me so you know I went from bartending and then you know after maybe less than a year I made it as a bar manager and then places started opening left and right for a company so then I became a general manager I did that for simply three four years and then I go a point when I'm like oh you know uh, what's next you know in the company yeah. and then they were like look we got all those things coming up at the minute that's what we can do. Then I got contacted by a friend. It's called Bio. It's one of the biggest venues that uh, London has, especially in Shoreditch. It's a huge venue, although more than 300 people. Basically, it opens during the day, does like food, lunge. Then nighttime, it turns more to like, yeah, a place you can still have food, but you know, we do cocktails, do a bit of everything. There's like a massive outside area. And then nighttime, it turns to have a DJ. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, which is very similar to what you can in yeah. ballroom, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of something that. I brought up the Michael because like I've done this thing like this sounds so familiar to me because yeah we had this big venue that made good revenue you know good for food for lunch people come for drinks and food later but then after a certain time you're like what happens can I keep people and I that's just what people want you don't want to dance or like mingle um yeah so I've done that for a whole year so it was super super high volume uh, what I was doing there was more like um assistant GM uh, there was a GM there but I, it was more like operations doing much service at all at the time uh which was the first because every time when I was working along cocktail club I was always behind the bar always you know serving people but that's what I'm great at but um, also um, it would take on the fact that um, I was much focused on what's his back of house and operations which was bio was being to me it's like you yeah. need to focus you on on that kind of back of house and make sure you are a proper manager right I learned a lot from there for sure I only stayed there for a year, sadly, because JJ Goodman from Blancato, like we just started talking again and they had this big venue in Oxford Circus. Yeah, we need someone that can bring that place up because it's our biggest venue, but it's not doing so great. And I feel super confident because I've just been working in essentially one of the busiest venue in London. It's like, this place was just crazy. We fully booked every like weekend. People were literally queuing up on Shoreditch Street every single night. Uh, so I kind of learned how to control that big crowd and how to bring people in and you know, like all that and like, all that kind of thing you need to really pump a big venue. Yeah, I went to Oxford Circus and then they kind of let me a lot, a lot of freedom to do my own things, how to train people and what can we do to make it better. Yeah, man, and after like, what, six, seven months, bro, like we just killed it. My team was, was a super young team, but you know, we train there, we work out together. So we're there for, I think I went back there for a couple of years. It was just a super cool place. Like it was massive. We're very like party orientated, but also very cocktail focused. People never believed in, right? Either one or the other. And it's something that I've just always been doing, always been. So you, you can make great drinks. You can make super quality cocktails. You know, I said, you can always teach people to make great drinks. It's, it's really not the hardest part. London. Everyone loves London. When you talk about shortage there, it takes me back to my time at university. Yeah. You also mentioned Michael, Michael Callahan. When we talk about the cocktail industry in Singapore, one of the pioneers, he's <laughs> arguably one of the first names that come to mind. What did he say to you to convince you to make 
make that move to Singapore? Because you know you you've lived in France, in London, in Melbourne, and now Singapore. What did he say to you? After obviously spending two years uh, in the pandemic, I was like, man, this is it. You know, like I can't, like I don't know. I feel like just going back home every day. Even even the pandemic was over. It's like I can't be in this place anymore. I need to move. Like I need to get out of here. And I just always been attracted to Singapore. Um, I had two lads I was working with at the time. Uh, they've been living there. They've been doing great things. And then you know, all the top bars were popping up left and right. People kept talking about Manhattan, Jigga, all these places. You keep chasing. And I'm like, man, I need to take that up. I feel like this is the place to be. So people start putting the words out. And actually, Celia is the one that contacted me first and be like, hey, uh, by the way, we got a gig coming up soon, uh, which at the time was for Revival. So we need, you know, we need someone to come in and run it, blah, blah, blah. And we started getting in contact. So, you know, I had some phone calls with um, uh, Michael and Celia. And yeah, man, I was like, you know, it didn't take me too much to convince me to come, you know. I knew the lifestyle. I knew what you get when you come here. And I was like, no, this is perfect. So uh, they explained me what's going to happen and, you know, for the past and how difficult it can be which it did in the end uh because obviously uh, my past didn't go through for revival very sadly but we managed to have it for barbary coast uh so eventually that's how i kind of moved, got moved on to be uh barbary and since then you know i feel like um yeah just just fell in love with it bro it was just uh, dope low working with michael learned a lot you know we really kind of respect each other and you know we both have kind of super different journey from the bar but we got a lot in common as well which is dope he just you know such an OG in singapore he understands the market he knows what is the people want needs or what's been done before um so it's great it's a great experience man you know i said it's been been a year now which i can't believe it i think it's just been so full on trying to um recovering from that whole pandemic thing but uh no i think we're definitely going the right way together and uh yeah you're probably gonna see uh, a lot of us sort of be more the uh, evolution of years. sammy as a as a bartender in singapore i remember when you first got here and then went out and saw the champions league final and then after that it seems a, a regular uh occurrence you know that that things are... <laughs> yeah yeah I uh, see every weekend now but i do say oh, that oh, um yeah. the manhattan made by sammy at barbary coast is delicious uh, absolutely uh, one of my all-time favorite drinks in Singapore. But Sammy, if someone were to ask you, is there a certain cocktail that stands out to you, the one your go-to order, wherever in the world you might be? What's your what's the first drink that you get? Oh, I think I got two, right? Like my down. first one is like my like if there was one cocktail to have forever, mm. it'd be a, just a daiquiri, just a nice refreshing daiquiri. Yeah. I don't think you need anything else than that, you know. Sweet, sour, crispy, boozy, done. Refreshing. Um, refreshing. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's why I'm most thirsty, right? Mm. And then I'm a big Sazerac fan. Like, I freaking love Sazerac. It's such a, like, beautiful drink when it's beautifully made. That's a drink uh, that made uh, Jesse Vita get into bartending, a uh, Sazerac. His first sip of yeah. Sazerac was like, that's it. I'm, I'm going to be a bartender. <laughs> done. Man, well, respect yeah. them, man. Not surprised. Great I, minds, um, great minds yeah. think alike, right? That's it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, daiquiri for sure to start refreshing. And then as a nightcap, a little bit of a, you know, Sazerac. You know, I'm a bit like a, a seasonal person, you know. Sometimes I just drink vermouth. Now, highball. I never drank highball before, right? Until you moved here, right? I moved to yeah. Asia, and that's all I drank. It was at the uh, the cricket club, Singapore cricket club. I think we had about 10 of them. I didn't feel it <laughs> until this morning. <laughs> it's almost like tradition right wherever you go here someone hands you a highball and then yeah. next thing you know 
get one too many highballs down to regular. No, I, just, I never like uh, was into it. But yeah, like, no, it's just I live by it. It's crazy. I know it, it is. It is the it's life simple. here, isn't it? Yeah, it's all you need. Just exactly. With a lovely soda water. Boom. Yeah, so that that would be my top three right now, hands down. Yeah, daiquiri, a sazerac, and a little highball for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm just so glad that we finally managed to do uh, this interview. We've been speaking with uh, Sami Terke, bartender with the Compound Collective, the group behind Barbary Coast, which includes Ballroom Deadfall and the other Bar Revival. Have a great rest of the day. I'm sure I will see you soon. Thanks, brother. Thank you very much for me. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.